Welcome to the Opposition's Position on Dogs by Nature Radio. I'm your host, Thelonious7. This Sunday, your Cleveland Browns traveled to Northeast West Virginia to take on the Steelers. To help us get ready for this game, we've reached out to Demetrius and Vince from the Devoted Steelers podcast. I am the D as in Demetri, joined alongside my co-host as always. He is the V, Vince Paparella. Guys, thanks for taking the time to do this. This has been definitely an enlightened discussion to say the least. Well, without any further ado, let's get into the questions. 2017 ended with the Steelers consoling Corey Coleman after the Steelers JV team held on to force Hugh Jackson into futility. Less than two years later, that Cold War has definitely gotten hot. These franchises have a storied past with a lot of bad blood. Does this go-round have serious juice? How do you compare it to the one that you have with the Ravens? Speaking to the Ravens-Steelers rivalry, um, I know you and I, you know, especially really get hyped up for that rivalry. And when you compare that to the Browns-Steelers, I don't really think they're in the same league, to be quite honest. Um, at least not yet. You know, it certainly has the potential to be. And I know that historically, as you said, um, they have a very long, you know, matchup history. However, you know, since 2000, really since the Ravens came back, since they won that first Super Bowl, the Steelers-Ravens rivalry has been an anticipated matchup. And the Browns, you know, rivalry has been fairly one-sided since they came back into Cleveland. So, I mean, I, I, you know, especially being a Steelers fan since 2003, I really don't view them in the same league. I, I definitely understand the, the, the point uh, of the question, obviously. What, does this particular game have some juice? Absolutely. Yes. Um, but I totally agree. The Ravens-Steelers rivalry, I think still, you know, there was, there was a couple years there with Kaepernick and the 49ers going against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Yeah. Where people kind of compare that one. I still think the best rivalry in the in the in the league um, is Steelers Ravens, um, and not not just in the AFC North. I, just, I think that's the best in the league. It doesn't matter what the year is; it's outside anything more than a one possession, if not just a three point game. Um, it's and it's a fun physical game. Yes, there's no doubt. There's some bad blood, and there are some people, especially back in the day, the Heinz Wards, where they're uh, you know, and Ed Reeds and all those. Like, there's definitely some guys that generally probably had some hate, but I think. The difference between that this kind of game that's coming up on Sunday, um, the Ravens matchups is there is with the Steelers Ravens. I think there's definitely an organizational mutual respect between one another. They're very similar. They're very well structured. They don't fire their coaches after one season. Um, they have a plan. They've always executed the plan, um, and it seems as though. Ozzie Newsome, even though it was you know last year was his last year as a general manager, he's passed it off to Eric DaCosta, who's done a great job for them. Um, John Harbaugh, obviously, has been there forever. Um, so they're, organizationally, they're very similar, um, and I and I think that it, it's it'll be a while before that can come. Cl- the Browns can come close to that with the Steelers. Unfortunately, um, this matchup, I don't uh, to be honest. And regardless, and, and I know we'll get into it, but regardless of who's playing, who's not playing. There's going to be some, whether the NFL wants to protect from it happening or if the, no matter what the coaches say, there's going to be some, I don't want to say dirty, but there's going to be some some extracurricular yes. activities. Yeah. And while, yes, that adds some juice, um, in terms of good battles back and forth from a football perspective, um, I, I, don't, I don't see it being there just quite yet. So I have to yeah. agree with you. 
No rivalry, huh? Well, hopefully you'll feel differently after this Sunday. <laughs> now I'm a little bit nervous about this next question, but here goes. You would think that nearly two weeks after, we would have moved on, but I continue talking all day about the Thursday night melee. First, do you see Garrett as the first to get out of line? And second, how would you have adjudicated the matter? And what did you think of Rudolph's performance with the media during this event? So, you know, rewinding that, and, you know, from the Steelers fan perspective, at least from my perspective, so... Uh, Rudolph got rid of the pass. Garrett was on the ground with Rudolph. Um, and Rudolph tried to get uh, him off of him, and he did so by trying to remove his helmet. Okay, that's obviously not, you know, wasn't a smart move by him. Proceeding that is Garrett kind of retaliating against Rudolph and, you know, pulling Rudolph uh, towards the end, then, if you will, by the helmet, which would have infuriated me. Um, then there's a separation after his helmet gets off, and then Rudolph kind of comes back at. Garrett and Garrett swings the um, helmet over the head on to Rudolph. So, do I think that Garrett was the first to get out of line? You know, no. And I love the mantra in Cleveland of Pittsburgh started it. That's such a little brother thing to say. You know, I mean, after Garrett did what he did, you know, avoiding the main thing. But I really don't care who started it. They both, you know, received hefty fines. And Garrett got suspended definitely for taking an opponent's player or taking an opponent's helmet and smashing them in the head with it. That's why he got the fine that he did. I know a lot of people in Cleveland wanted to see Rudolph suspended, maybe a game for trying to rip up, you know, if you really wanted to root it that way or really wanted to see it that way. But, you know, Rudolph did start it with the trying to get Garrett off of him and getting the helmet off. Um, but beyond that, I really don't see him as the main, you know, antagonist, if you will. And as far as his you know, media performance, regardless if there, there was something said or not, which I really question why Garrett waited until a week afterwards to say um, if that Mason did call him something. I don't think Mason's performance in the media really was anything significant. Um, you know, he talked about the events um, and, he, you know, he kind of moved on. I, clearly, he didn't move on based off what he, how he performed in Cincinnati. Um, and I think it kind of lived in his head a little bit, if you will. But I really don't didn't think anything of his media performance afterwards. So um, I'll say this um, again. I, we talked about it on our show. I, I think again the reason that Mason reacted the way he did because of the fact that he felt he threw the ball. Um, the game's in, the game's out, you know the game's over pretty much. He threw the ball and seconds after you know a couple seconds good getting took, taken to the ground. That's what kind of drove him, you know, to the point of where he was frustrated. Um, so, to answer the question, um, I guess. So, do you see in the first? Do you see Garrett as the first? Yeah. I know. Yeah. Is it true? I know. I, um, and here's the thing: Mason definitely deserves criticism. I don't think it, regardless of how Mason reacted to. The, stuff happens i feel like on a game on, on, on every week guy kid takes the guy to the ground late and it doesn't even have to be a quarterback it could be a receiver running back whatever there's pushing and shuffling that stuff ha all that all, all happens all the time i mean i'm pretty sure benny's every time it happens benny Snell, every time he gets that look he's getting he's trying to get right up and if you have anything if you're trying to hold on to anything he's giving you some he's shoving or doing something back every time he gets off the ground so i think that's something that happens all the time so i don't think in that sense that 
it needed to get to the point where it did get to or I got to. So, no, I don't. I think. Well, I, yes, I think Mace, uh, Miles definitely um, escalated the situation more than it really would have been. Because, like I said, pushing and shoving that type of stuff. Um, I think that happens all the time. Um, Mason deserves some criticism. I don't think he should have been suspended. Nothing that he did warranted a suspension. That's not what um, from in inter- China. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I- I'm trying to think what act that he did says that that deserves a suspension. That's where I struggle with it. Does he deserve blame? Absolutely. Should it have even happened in the first place? Probably not. But the push and shoving stuff. Guess what? Like I said, that happens all the time. There's no reason for it to go to the point where it got. So, um, and Mason, I guess, I guess, I think he's made, I think that is in regards to his quote unquote um, written statement that he that he did that, uh, I think it was a Wednesday last mm-hmm. week or whatever it was. And how some people could watch, you know, Joe Thomas, who I get dumber every time I listen to him talk. Yeah. Um, great player, Hall of Fame, first ballot. But God, he's terrible in the media. Um, he's just, he looks, that, that he got, he, criticized Mason for that statement, I guess, for not being accurate or telling the truth or whatever. I, I, I don't understand what Cleveland wants. The man came out, said he apologized for his actions, um, has great respect for Miles Garrett, no ill will towards him, um, you know, said his apologies, put his teammates in a bad position. Um, and and I, I don't know what much more you, you, want, you can want from him. Again, it's a lose-lose for Mason, whether he's, you know, uh, so from that standpoint, I don't have a problem with how Mason handled it in the media. Um, again, I'm sure Cleveland, if it was the other way, if she was on the other foot and all of a sudden Mason came out and said some stuff like Miles said he was, you know, had a set of racial slur to, to him, you know, they'd probably still, they'd feel the same way as the Steelers fans do about Miles Garrett a week after the incident saying that he used yeah. a racial slur. So uh, it, it, it's a lose-lose. So no, I don't have a problem with how Mason handled it. No. That's a very <laughs> thoughtful answer. Thank you for taking the time to give us that response. You know, I actually don't think he should have been suspended. It would be really inconsistent with what has occurred thus far this season, especially with the relation to the Cleveland Browns. The guys who have done things first, Logan Ryan, Tony Grossi, the first guy has essentially been innocent in the eyes of the NFL. And no, that's not a trick question. But one quick thing, Joe Thomas is essentially a deity around these parts. I know he's a left tackle, but you know, he is Joe Thomas. How Ripken of left tackles. I think Thomas was responding to uh, Nason Rudolph's initial press conference where he seemed to blame everything on the Bush League actions of Miles Garrett. And I don't know, it just seemed a little bit rich for some of the Clevelanders uh, to have a guy positing that kind of perspective in that kind of an event. Well, let's take a quick break. You're listening to The Opposition's Position on Dogs by Nature Radio. I'm your host, Thelonious Seven. We're here with Demetrius and Vince from the Devoted Steelers Podcast. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Opposition's Position on Dogs by Nature Radio. We're here with Demetrius and Vince from the Devoted Steelers Podcast. Let's get to the next question. And that, of course, is about Duck Devlin. What are the chances that Duck Devlin turns into the next, I don't know, Brandon Allen? Is there any way that at some point in the year, the Steelers move back to Rudy? You know, Devlin Hodges, uh, just, you know, to clear everything up, did not make the team um, as of the last cutdown. So it was Ben, obviously first it was Mason Rudolph, and then it was Josh Dobbs. And mm-hmm. you know, he was the last quarterback. <clears throat> but 
obviously when they traded away Dom, um, with- they didn't anticipate they were going to go with two quarterbacks and then Ben got hurt. Yes. So they trade away Dobbs and they bring, you know, and then they're like, okay, they get two quarterbacks and then Ben gets hurt. And so they have Mason and Devlin. Um, you know, he could, he's done some impressive things in his two games and he's done some things that make you scratch your head. Um, you know, you can kind of clear the roster the first time, I guess you could say. Uh, but he has an opportunity, you know, he's playing with house money. Um, you know, he can go out there and throw three interceptions. He can go out there and throw three touchdowns. Um, I'm expecting, you know, a performance somewhere between, you know, somewhere between those two things. Um, he could, you know, easily lead this team to victory. And apparently uh, what they've been saying a lot around the locker room is that, you know, there was a need. The, there was a need amongst the players uh, for them to make a change to quarterback, which makes sense. You know, this was the whole evaluation for Mason Rudolph this entire season. Um, and I think right now he has failed that test so far. And you say, you know, you, or you ask the question, is there a way to move back to Mason Rudolph? Absolutely. If Duck goes out there this week and throws three interceptions and, you know, for 100 yards, then I would expect them to go back to Mason Rudolph, you know, and that could boost Mason, Mason Rudolph's confidence. Uh, prior to the Cleveland game, honestly, you could say that he had his best game for the Rams. Um, he threw four interceptions against the Browns. Uh, as our, so I think that really you know hit his confidence, and that's a credit to the Browns now they played that game. So my feelings on Duck, I think I've documented with you before. Yeah, but um, tell them for their audience. Right, my thought is I'm not a huge fan of Duck. No, not either. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean. And, and again, it's nothing personal. I just don't think he's as great as some people try to make him out yeah. to be. Um, I'm, but again, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm not rooting for the guy, obviously. I think in this situation, um, again, I'm not entirely convinced that this, the fact that he's starting, I think there is some that Mason's a young guy. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that happened last week off the field in terms of all the stuff that came out and his characters being attacked by Miles Garrett, potentially call him a racist, all this, that, and the third. So, I'm not entirely because again, it doesn't. It, Mike Tomlin, while he said, you know, they, he, why, why the decision to go with Duck because he doesn't, he's not, he's not going to kill us. Um, that's definitely a direct shot at, at Mason. I'm not entirely convinced because it doesn't sound like it's he's the long term starter as we sit here. No, today. he's not. Um, um, in terms, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not saying next year. I'm talking about just I now. But but I I because I, I think that there's a possibility that. You know, maybe they're just thinking, let's let's sit Mason down this week, um, give him some time to re- you know get himself together. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that went on over the last you know 14 days, um, and I think again, Duck obviously has experience. He came in against the Baltimore game when Mason got knocked out, went to went to LA, won on the road, um, and so he has some experience. And you know, obviously we know about his performance in training camp. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Obviously, there's definitely an opportunity to go back to to, to Mason. Uh, my gut feeling is though, um, is this Duck is going to perform well um, on Sunday, um, and I and I and I don't know. I, and me personally, again, like I said, I know I I just said that I don't think it's necessarily a guaranteed long term thing. My gut tells me is that Duck is going to play well enough to keep the job for the rest of the season. And that does not, like Mike Tomlin said, they're not concerned about their, his long, Mason's long-term outlook. 
he very well could be the quarterback of the future, whether people agree with it or not. The point is, I think right now, with this way this team is, I think the Steelers know they're currently in the sixth seed. I think they know they have a good, they have a championship caliber defense, and they just need someone to come in there, not turn the ball over, move the chains, possess the ball, um, and put some points on the board. And again, the weather's getting colder. They know that they have a championship caliber defense that, that not saying they can win the Super Bowl this year, but you know, they can definitely compete. With, with team because of their defense. So they're looking for just some kind of consistency from the, from the quarterback position, a guy that's going to just kind of, you know, like Devlin said today in his press conference, he's got nothing to lose. He's just going to kind of grip it and rip it. Um, and that's kind of what the Steelers need as opposed to what Mason was doing with kind of playing it safe and really, you know, taking what the defense gives you. With. There's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, I think the Steelers realize their opportunity that's in front of them again. Um, not saying they're, they're not going to the Super Bowl, but they also realize that they have an opportunity to get in the playoffs. And given all the stuff that they've gone through this year, that would be one hell of, a, of an accomplishment. Yeah, just very quick on that. Mason, you know, part of his struggles the last two weeks where he's taken way too long to process the field. And, you know, he has lacked confidence. Um, and you didn't see that. You know, when he kind of came off the bench against the Seahawks, he played really well. He's moving the ball down the field. Um uh, and the interceptions that he did throw in that Seattle game certainly wasn't on him. You know, it was a mockery of interception. So, um, right. I, I could definitely see them going back to Rudolph um, before the season ends. Yeah, who can say about the rest of the season? I'm just worried about this Sunday. Brandon Allen is the guy that I bring up because he has that certain unknown element. It's because of that Broncos game that this game gives me a little bit of trepidation. You guys may have some questions at the quarterback position, but there's no question about the head coach of this team, Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin has been excellent all year. The squad has been struggling with injuries, but they'd be in the playoffs if the season ended today. How has he been able to keep this team together through the early season adversity? I love this topic. Um, so, you know, everything that we heard about this Washington Redskins BS, in the beginning of the season, and I love the fire Tomlin narrative, um, especially with uh, Yinzers around them. Because let's just say it, there are some racist Yinzers fans, and they have not liked Mike Tomlin since he's been the coach. He got you know that very quick reprieve because he went to the Super Bowl in the second season. Um, but you know, the the chant has, has been getting louder, the drum, if you will, for the fire Tomlin stuff since you know the collapse against the Jaguars, I think, when they went 13-3. and three, And then, you know, next year, obviously, they go 9-6-1, and one, and then they're in the predicament they are this year. And, you know, the whole Tomlin contracts thing, of, you know, it could be up in two seasons or once Ben leaves. You know, there could be a whole change in the guard here relatively soon in Pittsburgh. Um, but the credit, you know, that he had, to give Tomlin credit, the job he's done this year has been nothing sort of phenomenal. I mean, he is just interchanging parts, you know, literally at every position and seeing what works. Um, and he's been coming, you know, they've been, what, out of the last eight games, they've won six of them. Uh, you know, started started one and four, one four. Now they're six and five, which it's it's incredible. Um, he's he's done such a good job. He's a fantastic coach, and he's been doing this for thirteen years. You know, you don't not have a losing season over thirteen years just out of a mistake. You know, that doesn't just happen accidentally. You know, even with a Hall of Fame quarterback, you know, what about the Philip River years? You know. A lot of people would try to say that Philip Rivers was better than Ben Rosberg, you know, and he's had many losing seasons. Now that's an organizational structure has something to do with that between the Chargers and the Steelers, obviously. But so when you have a head coach like Mike Tomlin and that's been able to get this team um, to where it is this year, it, he does a fantastic job. And I think that reflects in the, the quarterback position. I think he, he 
also kind of have a thing is to look, you know, I've had to have interchangeable parts everywhere else in my offense this year. Wide receiver, offensive line, a running back. Maybe it's time for the case, you know, to make a change, to make a change of quarterback to get different results. So he's he's also done a lot of things this season that, you know, kind of traditionally I don't think he would have moved off of, you know. Obviously, he would never bench Ben. Um, but I think, you know, maybe a year ago, I don't really think he, you know, standard is the standard. Like, if he's, oh, I got a healthy quarterback in Mason, I'm going to stick with Mason. And so I got to give him a lot of credit for saying, you know what, Mason wasn't doing the job at the time they needed to do, and they needed to find some way to spark this offense. And they went with Evelyn um, in the second half of the Cincinnati game, and I would give him a lot of credit. The thing about Mike Tomlin, and I agree with you, um, great coach. Um, the thing about Mike Tomlin, is it's just he's just not some people, some, some, he's just not um, some people's cup of tea, right? He's not their flavor. Um, he's not an X's and O's guy um, in terms of he's not going to wow you with that kind of stuff. He's not going to Bill Belichick you or maybe even Sean Payton you um, where you sit back and you, and you, or Kyle Shanahan for that matter. You go in a press conference and you go, wow, I just learned something about, I don't know, you know, uh, zone coverage or something, whatever the case is. To, to Mike Tomlin is, is a great leader of men. He's a great motivator. He always, Everyone that says he loses the locker room is – I mean, look at all the A-B stuff that was happening and all the stuff that probably did happen that we never knew about. Yeah. Um, so all those thoughts, things about him losing locker rooms or him not being a great coach is totally garbage. Mike Tomlin is, outside of Bill Belichick, probably in your top five of coaches. Um, not, not even probably. He is. Um he is, he's that good of a coach. I'm not surprised by this. Anybody that thought when Ben got hurt that um, I, I, I didn't expect it to go necessarily how it's gone with the trades and the moves and all yeah. the ups and downs in terms of the quarterbacks, but I did not think that they were going to all of a sudden be a 2-14 and 14 kind of team. There, that was no way going to happen. No. Um, Mike Tomlin's a great coach. He understands how to motivate his players, um, and especially this game this week. I mean, you kind of I kind of got the sense in this his press conference yesterday he loves being in these matchups. We, you know, we talk about the 08 season, five-star matchups because we're in it. Um, he, he really believes that type of stuff. And his players always play up to those games. And these are the kind of games where he shows, again, it's not about the X's and O's with him. It's about being a leader of men um, and understanding your situation, understanding adversity is going to happen. And you want Mike Tomlin leading your football team um, in the face of adversity. Yes. Are there more qualified X's and O's guys out there? Absolutely. Um, yeah. but sometimes it's not all about X's and O's. Sometimes it's about get, getting a team together, um, playing for one another, and that's something that he excels at. So I'm not in the least bit surprised by what's going on. Um, definitely a crazy ride of how he got to this point, uh, but definitely not surprised by Mike Tomlin's performance this year. Um, had it not be for John Harbaugh or Kyle Shanahan, um, I think he'd be coach of the year, um, but I don't think it's going to happen this year. Yeah. Once again, you've been listening to Demetrius and Vince from the Devoted Steelers podcast. They can be found at Steelers Devoted on Twitter. So we're going to round up this discussion by asking these guys one final question. Southwestern Pennsylvania will absolutely be rocking for this contest. What will it be like for visiting Browns fans? How do you see the game shaking out? And do you have an idea of storylines or scores? Um, so, yeah, it's, it'll be rocking. You know, I always kind of check the prices before the game just to see. You know, if you can kind of squeeze in a last-minute ticket and the prices aren't dropping, and this is recorded on Wednesday. So um, there's obviously a lot of demand for this game on Sunday. Um, what, will be like, what will it be like visiting Browns fans? Uh, 
I personally, I think I, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I think that all depends on how the Browns fans are. Possibly. I, do, do you? I mean, yes, they're going to be. There's going to be a handful of Steelers fans that will probably start something or say some stuff. Like, I, I promise you, I've been to Baltimore and had a horrible experience that way um, in terms of their fans. Um, I promise you, all the games that I've been to, rivalry games, whatever it is. Honestly, especially for like the Browns. I really honestly don't think Steelers fans could give could give a damn about the Browns and everything. Now, granted, this is a different situation because of what happened. Correct. But uh, to your point earlier about being a rivalry, the Browns have got to do something on the football field for this to be considered a rivalry. Uh, again, I think this is all going to come. Again, there's going to be a, there's going to be a pocket of Steelers fans, probably younger, that having too much to drink and are just jerks, anyways. But the large majority, I don't necessarily think, are going to ne- re- really put a lot of effort into going back and forth. You're not going to see. Um, I-, I think it's all based on how the Browns, incoming Browns fans, handle themselves. If they come in fired up, Pittsburgh started all this. Well, then, you know, I, I-, I can't, <laughs> I might not be able to fault a Steelers fan for saying something back to you. But if the- if everyone's coming in to try to enjoy a football game, then obviously you'll have the friendly branter but i know that's not going to happen um there's gonna there's gonna there's gonna be some some people are going to want to get active that's just the reality of the situation um but i think it's something that's going to be more so in terms of it's how browns fans approach the situation because again i think most majority of the steelers fans are really going to be in there worried about the game not necessarily what a browns fan has to say because again it's the browns i i've probably been to 15 20 steel and I've never really had one time, like, uh, a Jets fan, fan something, just really obnoxious. Besides that, I can't remember. Vince, me and you have been a um, plenty of, 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 of games together, Ravens games. And I don't ever, I don't, I, I don't think we, and in Pittsburgh, I don't think we've ever had a interaction with anybody. No. Um, and I don't think we've really heard about an interaction. Again, you get your occasional, you know, football banter but nothing like you know personal or aggressive or anything like that no i don't expect that to do that i mean people will be saying stuff obviously of course um but i don't think it'll be bad for for brown fans i mean you know you guys come and cheer and do whatever you like you know i'm happy you guys are coming to the game it's obviously a very close geographical rivalry um you know plus the close to one is the steel attack um, and how do you see the game shaking out? Um, it's going to be low scoring. Uh, both defenses are playing very well. Uh, Pittsburgh, as I read a stat today, they've had 38 sacks so far this year, and they've had 30 of them at home. Uh, so I expect that number to increase by a couple. Uh, and really, if the Steelers' defense are able to keep Baker Mayfield in the pocket, they were not able to do so last time, um, I think the game will be very close. Um, you know, under 40 for the total score, maybe like 20, 17, something, 14, something, 17, something like that. Who are you going with? I don't know. Wow, not getting a prediction to our Cleveland, our Cleveland fan. I, I just, I, it's, I usually think about that like on Saturday before the game. Yeah, I know, and I do too. But listen, we're, we're in, the, we got to ask. So I think you need, to, I think you need to deliver a prediction. Um, I, I will take, I'll take the Browns by three. Okay. Um, you know, I agree. I think this is going to be one of those old school AFC North 
you know, first weekend in December. Uh, I don't know what the weather's supposed to be like. Uh, I'm really hoping it's... Um, it's like May 40. So, a, 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 a nice warm Sunday, December afternoon in Pittsburgh. Um, I still think it's going to be a physical game, low scoring, coming down to the fourth quarter. Um, I'm taking the Steelers. Um, I'm taking the Steelers uh, 23 to 20. Um, but again, this is not something that's going to be Steelers dominating or Browns dominating. I think this will be very close. I think it, one plays and I think you know a couple plays here and there at the end of the game are going to decide it. Um, but to your point, I don't think the Browns necessarily at home on a short week last time dominated the game offensively. Like you, to your point, a couple plays that Ma- uh, Mason Baker was able to escape the pocket, escape the rushes. They were getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, he was able to look, you know, extend the play and get him downfield. If they if they can keep him in the pocket, um, I don't think there's any way. Um, that the Browns are going to have a ton of success regardless of their weapons. The Steelers' defense is is the real deal, and I think they're going to have um, a great game plan. And I think Duck is going to do – He's going. there's going to be a couple plays here and there. Um, he might turn the ball over, but I think he's just going to provide a spark just because of his ability to escape, uh, his ability to move up in the pocket. He's more mobile than Mason, and I think he just has that gunslinger mentality where it's, again, might lead to a turnover or two. But it's going to provide a spark. There's going to be a big player too that ha- hasn't really happened since um, uh, consistently enough in the Steelers' offense that um, will definitely be a, the difference. And I also think, obviously, Benny Snell getting another year, week under his belt, mm-hmm. um, running the ball, I think is going to be key. Um, I like the Steelers, and it's mainly because they're at home. I said in the beginning of the year, before before anything happened, I said they're probably going to split with the Browns. Um, so I'm sticking to that. I like the Steelers 23 to 20. Yeah, I thought that you know be very close uh, very close to the score I won't give quite a score but obviously the Browns by three um, it's a field goal it's, it, it'll be four or three points I would be shocked if it wasn't uh, and really only the circumstance will be that is if either quarterback turns the ball over a couple times and I think that's the only way that really doesn't you know go shake out that way <laughs> mixed bag for the predictions huh okay you've been listening to the opposition's position on Dogs by Nature Radio our guests were Demetrius and Vince from the Devoted Steelers podcast I am your host, Thelonious7, on Dogs by Nature.